Aloha, friends. This episode of The Voyagers is sponsored by Jonathan Yudis at Maui Dream Properties. You might not know this, but my wife and I are looking to buy a house on Maui in the very near future, and there's only one person I'm going to call when we hit the go button. Jonathan Yudis, realtor and real estate advisor at Maui Dream Properties. You can call a dozen realtors, and you're not going to find a more trustworthy and motivated realtor than Jonathan. He works to make people's real estate dreams come true. Whether buying, selling, or investing, Jonathan serves his clients with passion, enthusiasm, and excellence. I've said it before, and if you've ever purchased or sold a house, you know it's true. In this business, trust is everything. Jonathan is a man of integrity, and you can trust him to put your needs first. So if you're thinking about moving to one of the most beautiful islands in the world, check out MauiDreamProperties.com and drop Jonathan a hello and get started on making your dream a reality. I'm David Glenn Taylor, and this is the Voyagers Podcast. 6 a.m. is usually way too early for most places, but not when you're in Cappadocia. Turkey, you're officially country number 84. Mozambique, you're country number... can't remember. I've just arrived in Bolivia, one of two landlocked countries in the whole of South America, with a population of over 11 million people that speak over 36 different languages, only one of which is Spanish. Bolivia, 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 you're officially country number 104. Ah, the bagpipes. Love them or hate them, they are one of the most recognizable instruments on the planet. Personally, I love them. Before I met today's guest, I believed I knew something about the bagpipes. They're a Celtic instrument, right? From Scotland, my hereditary homeland. And according to the movie Braveheart, they play them at funerals and before battles. Turns out that's not it exactly. By the way, that's our guest today. Ross Jennings playing the pipes as he literally walks down the center aisle aboard a flight on the way to another country where he will play his fabled instrument and share it with the world on his YouTube and wildly popular Instagram account. Ross is on a simple mission to play the bagpipes in every sovereign nation on the planet. When the pandemic hit, he was well on his way, but as you'll hear, his thoughts on travel in a post-COVID world should give us all pause and help us reflect on how to be good global citizens after going through what we've just gone through. But as he sees it, music is still the universal language that crosses boundaries and cultures. And the bagpipes, it turns out, are leading the way. You gotta first explain to me the accent. You do not have a typical Scottish accent. Are you Scottish? So that's a very good question. My mother's family are Scottish and my father's family are Irish. But I grew up in China. No kidding. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So 
I was also sent to school in England, which is why I sound very English. Wow. Yeah, no, I was, I was listening, I was watching a bunch of your videos, and and I, you know, I've been following you actually for some time on Instagram, and just really enjoying it because my my mother's family's from Scotland, um, okay. a couple of generations back, but the McMurray family and from North of Edinburgh, and they and we travel in Scotland a lot. That's kind of our vacation spot. So That's we go cool. from Hawaii, you know, because we would go find the rain, and we like the rain and the mud and the and the whole thing, you know. So, <laughs> so. The life must lead to have to want rain. Uh, <laughs> Hawaii, aren't there some places in Hawaii that have the highest rainfall per like ever? yeah so actually I'm, I can see it out my window actually the, the rainiest spot one of the second rainiest spot in the whole world is right oh, wow. EL Valley right there yeah and they have yeah the, the coast because of the just it's the most isolated land on the planet right it's in the middle of the Pacific Ocean so the the windward leeward side which you have a little bit in I mean Scotland the east coast west coast understands kind of a bit of the yeah. island life a bit and the Hebrides certainly understand, you know, if you're in the Hebrides, so everything is about which direction the rain is hitting, right? So you, and then, okay. and so I'll have friends regularly planning a trip to Hawaii. In fact, just a couple of days ago, a friend of mine from Alaska was like, oh, I'm so sad. I saw the weather report for the whole time we're going to be there. And it's going to rain the whole time we're there. And I was like, well, where are you staying on the island? And they're like, you know, we're in Kihei. I'm like, it, it's not going to rain in Kihei. You're going to be all right. <laughs> and she was like, oh, oh really? It's one of those things, isn't it? Like you only have yeah. weather thingies in one location. And right. It might say raining all day, but actually like it just rains. Yeah, it makes no sense in Hawaii. The show is just all people that I find are amazing and interesting and, and, and it's really following my own curiosities more than anything else. So, and the bagpipes, of course, are the thing that I find most fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I've got my kilt here. So. Oh, there you go. <laughs> where, is that from your, so that's from your father's family? No, it's from my mother's family. So oh, that's right. Father, your mother's a Scottish family. Yeah, yeah my father. Although that's a good Ireland question. Ireland has pipes though, right? Yes, they have. Um, there is tartan culture, but... The thing is, is that it's kind of adopted and it's interesting how people have certain memory pegs sure. and there's visual aids that associate with different things. So like as soon as people see the kilts, people go, oh, Ireland, uh, which is interesting. very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Whilst obviously it's it's not. And, and the kilt is obviously conspicuously Scottish, but right. it has been adopted by Ireland over the years. Tartans, though, in Scotland are related to clans, whilst in Ireland they're more related to counties. So oh, interesting. Count Kerry will have a tartan. But that wasn't traditionally really like a... a it might have been a thing, but it wasn't documented in a specific way. Like the, the tartan register is in Scotland. Like there's a book of tartans that are registered in scotland where you can go through and be like okay that is the official stuart or taylor tartan or right. a tartan. yeah and yeah. then that's kind of how it works whilst in ireland it is a bit different is, there's a taylor tartan in scotland i don't know i made that up okay because that's, <laughs> that's fantastic i was like i'm not saying that's why you put a taylor right? right well i've tracked down the mcmurray you know and, the, and then the different the lineage of the mcmurrays because the mcmurrays are different they're they're interesting because there's the murray clan and they're they're loosely related to the, the murray clan oh. but there's it kind of goes all over the, you know i've done all the what a lot of us americans do you know we track the whole we're obsessed with tracking our family history we're also displaced it, here you know i found your i found your taylor tartan it was designed in 1955 by oh. two outstanding authorities <laughs> miss margaret mcdougall of the Inverness Museum and Lieutenant Colonel I.B. Cameron Taylor. There you go. Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Almost all of my descendants are from the UK oh, and cool. most mostly from Scotland. And I have a, a, one Irish descendant that's like six generations back, one Irish woman that married. So they were they were down in, in uh, uh, what's, the, what's the area down there, um, kind of close Southwest, to Ireland? Southwest Scotland. Galloway. Oh my God, of, yeah, that's where my yeah. family's from. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, so I have oh, a lot of family. No one knows Galloway. 
<laughs> from the Galloway region. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I haven't traveled much in the Galloway region. You know, mostly when we've come there, we've gone up into the highlands and we spent a lot of time in the Hebrides and the islands and that kind of thing. But next time I'm there, I'm going to, I'm going to go out. My brother's going to be there this summer doing a, he's going to be out of Iona doing a pilgrimage thing out in Iona. So but Southwest Scotland is, is it's truly, I often think it's a bit forgotten, which is yes. good and bad. Right. Cause it is honestly, the infrastructure there is, I mean, not that it's not the best, but just there's only one road which goes through beautiful, right. beautiful rolling hills, but it's not quite as sexy and appealing right. it seems um compared to the highlands the highlands have a certain ring but if you're like oh let's go to the lowlands people are like nah. yeah very interested in the lowland culture and especially from a historical standpoint but i've actually tried to be getting into the lowland whiskeys lately and trying to drink more you know like find more of that well you should definitely try if you haven't already annandale whiskey annandale. It's, it's, they sort of market themselves as the first distillery in scotland but they're not really but it's like it's right. the first thing you drive past if you're driving into scotland from england um oh, wow. and they are in yeah they're in dumfries and galloway in annan there's a couple who have bought it basically privately with all their money and that's been their baby and project for the past 10 years um, oh, i'm on it i'm on it we actually we actually had a burns night here you know and that we did a wonderful big whiskey tasting some of that and i i had glenn kinchy for the lowland representative this will have to be next year for sure oh my gosh i've got an idea do you know what if you haven't thought about it already and if you really love whiskey and have got a whiskey like a bunch of mates you can buy your own barrel of whiskey and it's not especially with annandale it's not hugely expensive the expense oh, wow. comes when you bottle it because that's when you pay tax sure but you can buy your own barrel for like between three thousand and five thousand pounds oh wow um, which like if you're spitting that with 10 people and like doing it as like a, a mates thing or a family yeah. thing or a legacy thing like yeah that's not too bad but then you get screwed when you try and take like you bottle it in five years time 10 years time etc. right but yeah i'm the reason i say that is because i was very lucky that my parents decided to do that a couple of years ago and bought sure. a barrel for annandale because it's just down the road Are you in Galloway right now? Where where are you located right now? I'm in Guatemala City. You're in Guatemala City. Are you so as a part of you live there or is this part of your traveling right now? Not traveling at all. Yeah. Um haven't done since March, start of March last year and won't okay. be I don't know. I've just I've taken the decision that even this year will be a write-off when it comes yeah. to travels because I feel weird a bit yeah. promoting yep. travel and yeah, you get you get the, the vibe. So home, it's it's kind of been home since July, 2019, Guatemala City, because uh -huh. of my, my partner's work, working at the international school here. So now we are like official residents, which is great. Sure. And I'm so lucky, like, and I'm so grateful to be able to be here. I'm not gonna lie, um, escaping a British winter. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, is that, yeah. just delightful yeah. um, so I'm very lucky and I'm very grateful honestly I wake up every day and I look outside and I'm like oh my god yeah. this is so wonderful and so beautiful <laughs> um, thank you <laughs> yeah, yeah. so he is your partner a teacher yes teachers at the um I suppose it's the American International School of Guatemala. And what and what are you doing for employment then right now are you just just bagpiping around Guatemala City or what are you doing <laughs> various spots in the city right right just, <laughs> just <laughs> who is that guy <laughs> Yeah, everyone's like, wait, oh, you again. Nah, I actually, that's an interesting point because I, I do feel, I always feel a bit uncomfortable busking um, being a street street artist in countries that are not my own, yes. basically. I feel like you're almost taking business away from a local musician. And I always feel a bit funny about that. So if I am ever busking or playing on the street, it's always totally for free. And it's like, just so I can have a cool exchange with somebody. 
My work though, I um, about six months ago, I started working with an online academy called the NAS Academy and we teach video creation, social media stuff. And so it's totally digital and mm-hmm. online and we teach people from all around the world. So like a, it could be Mexico and Guam, I don't know why that came to mind. So like yeah. all the way through to like Kenya, Bangladesh, India and the Philippines. Everybody. Wow. It's pretty cool. I can be based anywhere, just need internet connections. So. And you're teaching pipes? No, no, no. On, it's an online video academy. Oh, so you're teaching how to like video production and stuff and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Scripting, video editing. It, oh, it's, it's fairly, I wouldn't say it's basic, but it's just introductory skills to sure. like mid advanced. Like you sure. wouldn't do it if you were wanting to go and sure. work for a film production company in an advanced right. level. You might do it as an entry. Our tagline is like, we are creating creators and it's great fun. I love it. And for now it's my travel. Because I get to meet people. I've got a class right now and a huge range of individuals from like wow. Palestine, Saudi Arabia to Syria, Mexico, um, someone from Jamaica, etc. It's pretty cool. Incredible, man. That's amazing. Actually, that leads to kind of one of the questions I have in terms of like, you know, your actual travel. I mean, you obviously have a YouTube channel and you have the Instagram account and the people that were following you on there, but the, the quality of the video is really high. I mean, the photography and the video stuff is so stunning. And I was, are you doing this the whole thing on your own? You set up uh, tripods and stuff, or do you have a team? Oh, God, no. I wish I did. <laughs> right? No, it's, it was all alone. I mean, as you know, like even with a laptop and this, a camera on yep. your phone, it does, it does wonders. Yeah. All you need, and this is literally what we teach, like you don't need a, a fancy device to tell a good story. Right. It helps having good audio. So sorry if this is a bit echoey every day. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not practicing what I preach. But, um. <laughs> Yeah, it helps having good kit. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a good story to tell. And right. I've got there. Like, I mean, I even look back at my videos from a year ago and I'm like, God. And as every every step and every mistake you make, you improve on. But when I first started traveling that six, seven years ago, the journey started in 2014. I didn't know what I was doing. Like, truly, I was like recording everything and anything because just in case <laughs> I was going to start videos but I never made the time to, to edit the videos. And it was only since Silver Lining or on hindsight, the, the lockdowns of 2020 that, that gave me the time to start coming up with a bit of a formula sure. of how I would edit and create stories because I didn't want to vlog, but I also didn't want to, I don't know, I wasn't sure how I was going to script and create my videos. And I'm right. starting to get there with a sort of structure. But it, yeah, it helps having a camera and a tripod. And I met my, my other half traveling with the bagpipes and he's been pretty good from the second half of the journey onwards now is he's he's not a piper where's he from he's from pittsburgh no kid he's american yes so and uh, you know what cool fact about pittsburgh pittsburgh is the reason why supposedly americans or people from north america i should say call edinburgh edinburgh <laughs> of course and, yeah. and the reason why supposedly is because well the b-u-r-g-h spelling is butter as you know but yeah. but lots of people because they've they're from North America, maybe more used to saying Pittsburgh. Completely. And yeah. over time, that would have been what it would have come from Pittsburgh or the Fort Pitt. Right. Because a burr is a fort, I think, from Old English or Old Spanish. Right, right. And it would have been Fort Pitt, Pitt Butter. And then that would have evolved <laughs> Pittsburgh. So yeah. I think that's what North Americans call it Edinburgh when they first arrive. Sorry about that. <laughs> we call lots of things, lots of things. I, one of my favorite things, one of my favorite things, the first time I took my kids to Scotland, I've got three boys, right? So my wife and I have three sons and we, first time I took, and my oldest is he's, he's out of the, out of the house in college and everything. And so um, the two youngest came with us to Scotland. And my favorite thing was watching my kids just wrestle with the accent and trying to understand and trying and then try and figure it out. And I would catch my youngest, especially who likes to try accents and likes to try He's got a big imagination and he loves to kind of, 
trying to do the acting and impersonating and everything. And I absolutely love it. I adore it. And I, and I'm fully aware, you know, I've traveled extensively around the world. I'm fully aware of the American reputation for just butchering every piece of language and culture. Tomato, there's different ways of saying everything. There is, absolutely. Like, as long as you're going in there, goodwill. I just, I don't, I always get a cringe when I hear someone tell someone off for something, especially yeah. when they don't know in the beginning. You can say, oh, by the way, it's maybe not a Berg. It's more of a Borough. <laughs> right. Then someone snaps and goes, you're like, oh, that's so unnecessary. There's no need right. to be. Right. Um, so like standoffish. But Fantastic. even yeah, I, there's plenty of words in Scotland because I didn't grow up there. It right. has become my home. And um, I'm, I proudly say that I am Scottish, but I suppose I emphasize the ish bit. I'm not just Scottish. Yeah. I'm British and Irish too. So lots of words like Scots words I wouldn't and sayings I wouldn't have grown up with, but I have learnt. Right. I definitely don't know any Gaelic. Um, I wish right. I did. That would right. be super cool. Yeah, that's all to come. And it's and I'm excited for that. Being able to call Edinburgh home is, sure. is giving me the opportunity to learn more about Scotland, the history. Sure. And although I'm now in Guatemala City, obviously. <laughs> for a little while. But when you're taking it, I suppose you get this from where you were um, brought up and born, etc. Sometimes the further you are away from maybe home, the more you become attached to it and the more you yeah. appreciate it. Who first introduced you to pipes? I'm assuming that would be on your mother's side. I suppose, yeah. I don't actually know. I don't have a solid memory of like the first time I would have heard the bagpipes online because I suppose they might have just been around and about. Mm -hmm. When you are Scots or Irish or Americans or Indians, wherever you are, when you're out of your home country or maybe place of birth, you're kind of told you come from locations. So you just then start amplifying those traditions. So yeah. I was almost told that like you're Scottish or you have yeah. Irish, you need to do Irish things. You need to do Scottish right, things. Right. And then when I was sent to school, I was sent to boarding school, I was given the opportunity to learn the pipes. Um, and that was cool because they wanted to kick off a pipe band. So they were giving us the opportunity to learn bagpipes for free, which is really cool. Cause all these extra, like most places, if you're doing extra stuff, you do it, you usually have to put the bill, sure, but sure. this was an opportunity to do it for free. And for some reason, I mean, it wasn't the coolest thing to do at school, but no one wanted to do it in my year apart from me. So I've like 200 people. I was the only person. I just thought, oh, wow. how bizarre, like it's free to do, man. Just try it out. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, it, like anything up and down journey, it wasn't the easiest. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I'm naturally talented at anything, but um, <laughs> I started it, had the most wonderful bagpipe teacher, Bernie Aiken. And it was thanks to her. And I think the opportunities that I had as a teenager from piping that I kept on chipping away at it, but then went to university and I did the stupidest thing because I was at University of Edinburgh and I didn't pipe at all for like four years. Oh, wow. um, it was so silly, so silly. And that, yeah, that's basically my, my bagpipe journey, but I just always loved the sound of it. And I remember the first moment that I heard the pipes, it was a Monday morning or maybe a Friday morning school assembly. I had just turned 14 and then in marches my bagpipe teacher to be this wonderful lady called Bernie Aiken, who I've mentioned, he was just such a character and she had a kilt on, she was all full regalia. And I was just sat there thinking, this is awesome. It is so cool. And I, 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 in that moment, I was like, I have to play this instrument, have to play it. And it was music to my ears, literally when they were like, we'll give you a bunch of free lessons. Yes. That's amazing. And I have the same fascination with, with the, the sound of the bank, but I always have, I, when I was a little kid, I heard a record at my grandparents' house that had bagpipes on it. And I just was just dumbstruck. I thought it was the most beautiful sound. And I found that to be somewhat universal. You've traveled in now a hundred and how many countries? 105. 
100, you yeah. played the pipes in, in 105 countries. Have you found in your own experience that that sound is universally kind of just attractive that way? It, it really is music in in across the board, your tone of voice, things right. like that, but music in particular. I know it's a cheesy and a bit of a cliche thing to say, but like it's the international language of love. Is that what they right. say? <laughs> but there's, there are I mean, people that like hate the sound of bagpipes. They cringe at it, right? Or maybe not just bad, but music in general. And then like yeah. bagpipe roots. Yes, it tends to stir a certain type of emotion. I would say 95% positive right. because it, but not just positive. If you go down a couple of, if you broke that up, it would be like, or just like total admiration to like the end, end of the spectrum, which is just like, what the, right, right. so aggressively loud, but yeah. I think I like it yeah. because you're smiling and you're wearing a skirt. So I'm not sure. being attacked. Only in a small right. genre, I've had like fear and oh. anger, but it only tends to be on one end of the spectrum. Either that, or it's like, I'm, I want to fight, but in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's fascinating. Wow. Um, so 105 countries. I mean, obviously the obvious question is like, what stands out? You know, what nations do you look back on and you just go that, uh, that place just really stayed in me. Scotland, obviously. Gotta say that. But was that like the first one you're like, <laughs> I better just play yeah, the pipes I, here. I always say my first country officially as part of the journey was Tunisia, oh, which is, um, if you're listening, is a small country in North Africa in between Libya and Algeria. And I had a friend from university who had just moved there to study Arabic and I had booked a flight already. And then after booking the flight, this this idea to do this kilted music adventure blossomed and was formed and created. And I thought, brilliant. I'm just going to use this opportunity to kick off my bagpipe adventure. And it could truly, it couldn't have been more perfect. Wow. Um, so many wonderful reasons, like even getting on the flight, I was nervous because I'd never traveled to North Africa. I don't speak French, which right. is often one of the languages spoken there. Um, my Arabic was basic at school. I made sure to learn a bit of Arabic just because it's kind of one of those languages I think we should have a basic understanding of. And then there's Tunisian Arabic, none of which I speak, but I got on the plane, I sat next to this guy, I'll never forget his name, Mahmoud El Arbi. And um, he was so, I swapped so he could sit next to his wife. So there's a bit of complication there. And he was so lovely that after it, he gave me his details. He said, if you need anything, let me know in Tunisia. I want you to have a wonderful time. I work in London and I want you to have a great adventure here. And I told him I played the bagpipes and he was like, what? Mashallah, <laughs> this is awesome. Turns out he owned a football club in Tunisia, in the south. And I was like, what? Oh my God. I, I ended up playing at their like gala dinner a week or two no later. Way. But on top of that, it was just too perfect. Like all these wonderful things. Like I, my friend was living there. I got to meet so many Tunisians rather than just being like meeting other travelers. The national instrument of Tunisia. Also the bagpipes. What? Man. Yes, I know. So I was like, what? <laughs> Boxes being ticked left, right, and center. And it was just the most fantastic, eye-opening, wonderful two weeks to kick off this kilted adventure. Oh my yeah. gosh. Now I have I have to do like some reading. I gotta figure out how that happened. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, so incredible. Essentially, the 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 reason why bagpipes are so I think so familiar and popular around the world is I truly believe they're the most international instrument for many reasons. They are the national instrument of Scotland, yes, but they're not just Scottish. And I think that's something important that Lots of pipers do learn and do know, but lots of people who are very proud of being Scottish and know the bagpipes from a bit of a distance, sure. maybe don't appreciate or haven't learned. Bagpipes have been around for thousands of years and they come from the Middle East and then through time and trade, etc., made their way to the United Kingdom. And there's lots of different theories as to how and why, but one of the popular ones is essentially Romans invaded the United Kingdom, British Isles, brought with them the bagpipes, and then they went north and then Scotland decided to make them really loud. 
Where are you going to go next? I've seen other travelers and creators start traveling and that power to them. Some of them might have to because of work reasons or financial reasons. Fair enough. But I just feel like sometimes if you are in that position, you have the people look up to what you do and you're Mm -hmm. setting a bad example. I mean, it's somewhat insensitive. I I would see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's the frustrating side of things is that lots of these locations and countries are crying out for tourism. Absolutely crying out for tourism. Hawaii. Um, <laughs> We're in tourism. <laughs> have you have you piped in Hawaii yet? Not yet. No. I Neither remember bro. learning about Hawaii from a very young age in a geography project because I was like obsessed with volcanoes. Right. And I did a project on I'm mean, butcher the name, so I apologize. Is it Kilauea? Yeah, Kilauea. Kilauea. Yeah, yeah. On the big okay. island. And I remember yeah. doing a project on Kilauea and being like, Oh my god, this place exists. It's really <laughs> yeah. a real thing. Right now. Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. We had a bunch of Vogue come in last night. We call it Vogue, right? So when the when the when Kilauea or Mauna Kea, when they're running, when the when the lava is really flowing and hitting the ocean just right in the right spot, and then the wind is right, you get this that steam, that sulfur steam, and it'll come you know, a couple times a year it'll wash over here to Maui and it'll fill the valley and it's and it gives you all kinds of headaches and stuff. It's pretty crazy. Ooh, weird. Yeah. But- yeah. Very cool. And if you see it, it's, it's amazing to see. I mean, it's jaw droppingly cool to see, but, uh, so you come do, you plan a trip, you plan a trip to Maui and then you get, then you pop over to the big Island and you, you volcano lava flowing in the background. There you are piping. It'd be incredible. That'd be very cool. Yes. <laughs> I accept the invite. There you go. And yeah. We'll you can come to Guatemala. Not quite as exciting oh, with blue waters, but Guatemala is pretty cool. When we just when we were offered the opportunity to move to Guatemala, fantastic, great Central mm-hmm. America, perfect mm-hmm. location, without tying into the fact that like, oh, actually, prices for flights not easy. Like it's right. not the best the best travel hub. If we were right. maybe in Panama, it would be easier because they're good good with Copa sure. Airlines and things like that. Yeah. But hasn't been the cheapest to travel around. But even so, we are like, you know what, sod it. We're in this part of the world. Let's go to Peru. I'm um, always wanted to do that. Go to Machu Picchu as well. Sure. And yeah, what a wonderful trip! Like what a what like a wicked country. Peru is yeah. awesome. Peru is incredible. To go back, and then I carried on to, to Bolivia, and um, Bolivia is equally impressive. Truly, it's right. it's uh, and I often think it has similarities between Bolivia and Guatemala in many different ways, primarily through like a indigenous population, such sure. a huge uh, populations of the people with not like direct Spanish heritage. Right. And so that creates a very different culture yeah. to it. And Guatemala is quite similar in that regard, but Mayan as opposed to like Aymara or Quechua type right. thing. Right. So cool. Such cool yeah. country. That's the thing that blew me away about Peru was just that, it, yeah, it was the indigenous culture was was much more dominant. Quechua was still a language that a lot of them were speaking and being in the Sacred Valley and and that whole, I, I was I can't wait to go back. The food yeah. was incredible too. I just the food and the wine and the, everything. I was just, oh god, it was just, just awesome. I was na- naive to not naive to think, but like I just truly didn't realize that Peruvian cuisine is like an entity in itself in sure. the way that. Like, yeah, Italian me neither. And Thai food was, and I just was like, oh my god, this is yeah. amazing. This is yeah. so good. <laughs> I think Marie and I were staying in this in a pretty nice hotel in in um in Cusco and had this amazing meal. It was just. Um, with wine pairings it was like five six courses or whatever and it was just this high back chairs and the waiters and the bow ties and everything and i think at the end the bill was like 90 dollars or something like it's just like what <laughs> places like that but i do definitely as same, same with you in hawaii that right. i feel a little bit sorry for because huge tourist industry and i know right. the streets are empty yeah um, 
lucky that I was trying, obviously, keep in contact with people that I've met through Instagram or through mm-hmm. piping. And it's a, a friend who, well, Instagram friend who has a hotel there who's just said it is still pretty shit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kachel has opened up, Machu Picchu has opened up, but it's just a weird existence to see the streets of Cusco still empty. Yeah, um, yeah. Which is bizarre, but... Yeah. Where's the place that that's that's kind of like as soon as it's a go, where are you heading? I avoided that question, didn't I? <laughs> no, I want to hear it. As well as my favorite country. Okay, yeah. I'll give direct. I want to question. hear both. I want to hear both. I honestly have no idea. I'll be honest. I have no idea what is my first country I'm going to go to as soon as like doors are open. Yep. It might be something that happens last minute this summer. And if it happens this summer and we're back in Europe, potentially somewhere in Europe, there's plenty of countries I haven't been to. Sure. Um, and the reason why is because I would feel less, I'd feel more responsible with, with there'd be more accountability from a, from a COVID perspective sure. because of healthcare industries and things like that. Like I haven't been to Andorra. Okay. Right. Um, I haven't been to Romania, Bulgaria, loads of wonderful places in Europe still to visit. Places that I really, really, really want to go to on a high up on the list, just from an adventurous perspective, Iran, 100% Iran. Right. Um, DRC, I know that's a bit of a weird one, but Democratic Republic of Congo. Oh no, yeah, no, I understand. It's beautiful. Uh, it's just it is a beautiful place riddled with problems for various yeah. reasons and mm-hmm. i think yeah part of my travel is not just to obviously take them off but to maybe shed a bit of a different light sure. um, i'm not the only one doing that but like i think the more people that do that for many of these countries that that have a one-dimensional perception of them mm-hmm. the, the better and then south america colombia i've never been to colombia before so I'd love oh, to wow. go. god that's awesome man that's awesome i i'm so excited for you <laughs> like i'm so excited for the whole the whole kind of adventure, man. Yeah, there is definitely isn't a time limit. I mean, one question I did always used to get asked was, when is this going to be completed by? Sure. And when I started, I first thought, okay, wonderful to get it all done by the time I'm 30. You, I'm every, 30. When you say done, you're meaning pipe in every country in the world. Every sovereign nation. And that would have meant it was a six-year-long journey, which is pretty speedy. That's really speedy. Yeah. 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 I mean, the journey has changed. Like we all grow up in every year, every month. Um, so I'm a very different person now than I was when I was 24. Yeah. And when I created, I'm even sometimes cringe at the name of what of like my t- the title that I call myself, the first Piper. Uh, <laughs> it's an affirmation. How cocky of me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I can be, I can be the last Piper. I don't care right. uh, to every country in the world. I, it, it's going to be a lifetime journey if it takes me yeah. 50 years. Awesome. I don't want to rush it. No way. Yeah. And um, I think travel will be very, very different in a post-COVID world. Well, mm-hmm. we'll never have a post-COVID world, but in a 2022 world onwards. Sure. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how we adapt and how travel will change. Is there a favorite country? I mean, that obviously 105 countries, there's probably more than one. But like, what, what is the one where you, that stands out for you? It's not just one. It often is always the one I've recently been to or had like a really positive relationship with. Or if I've just created a video about a, a country, I'll be like, right. oh, that really was a lovely trip. Right. I suppose a good measure is what are the countries that I have been back to already yeah. and revisited and want to continuously revisiting. Yes. And the one country that always comes to mind is Mozambique. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah. What, what about it, Mozambique? Like, I mean, because there's uh, a country with some problems too, yeah? Yeah. I mean, yeah, every, I suppose every country has problems, but yeah, that one, Mozambique is a, an interesting Southeast African country from its historical perspective. 
ethnic issues, issues with regards to right now, ISIS, there's huge issues in the north of um, Islamic extremism. So it's not exactly, if you talk it from a a safety perspective, the the easiest place to travel around. It's just such an incredible place. Like the history is amazing. If you go back to the 70s, it would have been a top beach destination for South Africans. Mm -hmm. Um, But then end of 70s was the civil war and that threw it into total disarray and it tends to be forgotten i think in not forgotten but overlooked from english-speaking travelers and i think the reason why is because if you're going to that part of the world often you'd go to south africa which um is seems to be the dominant force in that in that that part of the world or you go to neighboring countries zimbabwe zambia botswana namibia even which is cropped up as a very popular place to go to but Mozambique's just wonderful. Truly the best beaches in Africa, 100%. Wow. Some wow. of the best food. And if you are not English, if you are English speaking, you might not be so familiar with the history. And for me, that always tends to be more interesting because it's so different sure. and unfamiliar that I find the trips and journeys to places like that yeah. are so much more rewarding because I'm like, wow, I had no idea that right. it was a former Portuguese colony. I had no idea that x y and z this many culture languages are spoken there or there's so many things like it used to be a center of cashew nut production i love my facts and i love travel facts and things like that like no i'm the same way yeah yeah (laughs) that's my favorite thing my my kids are you know they're kids so they don't necessarily know why dad wants to just like sit and stare at this like plaque that's stuck on a building or something and go this is amazing (laughs) (laughs) yeah so mozambique for me um, is is just that and i think there's a lot of potential there i hope in the future if sure. the government can sort sure. themselves was it saint augustine he said that the world is a book and those who don't travel only read a page right and that when you begin to read that whole book and you you're 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 still loyal to your countries you're still loyal to your families and you, where you come from but you start to see the world in a um just this kind of larger, much larger perspective. There's a little bit of grief that always creeps in for me. Do you experience that at all? Uh, I, yeah, um, for sure. Because like, it's grief, a frustration too. I mean, and I'm slightly guilty with it too. Like my, the aim is to go to every country. Like, what does that even mean? Sure. Like countries and the concept of countries is a very, like a, a modern thing in the history of mankind. Right. What is a border? And even that frustrates me because you're like, ah, oh, there's so many people that aren't represented or don't have voices. Sure. And why do we group them by countries? Why don't we group them by cultures? But then that has its own can of right. worms as well. Right. So the more you visit, the more you travel, the more stories you hear, the more stories of plight, sadness, but then also balanced by lots of happiness sure. too. So there is a bit of grief that comes in there as well. And as time goes on, guilt too. Like, should I be flying so much? That's flipping privileged. Well, everything I'm doing is very, very lucky. I'm able to do that because of the color of my skin, the passport that I have, things like right. that. Um, so there's so many emotions that, that kind of crop up and the more that you think about it, the more you're like, oh, should I be continuing this journey? But then it is, like I said, very much balanced by like the happy stories, the individuals that you meet and that there's, there's cliches that are true, that majority of people out there are just nice, lovely people. Like, yeah. The world is an horrible place. Right. I think it's mostly a lovely place. Yeah. The more you can push that that agenda, those stories, the the better, really. Because then we see other people who speak different languages, believe in different things, is just like friends, not foes. And those yeah. things that do culturally divide us don't need to be like reasons to keep us apart or actually to have divisions between us. Yeah. Right. Well, listen, I'm going to ask you one more thing then. Um, 
there, I know that there are stories that when you're hanging out with your friends, you know, that you just, there's, there's gotta be a story that you've told many times because it was that kind of <laughs> magical or amazing or funny or whatever. I would love to hear one of Ross Jennings top stories. Okay. I always feel guilty because I always, I always do share this one story. I know that. I know. I No, I'm a travel guy. I, I understand. There's this one story that you just keep telling over and over again. And it has been embellished. <laughs> As every good story should. Nothing. There's no such thing. Uh, wait, no, what's the saying? Never let truth get in the way of a good story. Exactly. Yeah, well said. <laughs> Less well politician said. Or, a, or a journalist. Um, <laughs> no. Okay, so Tunisia. Let's start with that. Tunisia is the first country that I went to. And like I said earlier, ticked so many boxes from the travel perspective when it came to kilts, bagpipes, etc. When I was in Tunisia, it was a year after the Arab Spring. And that meant that the, the, the dictator, the former dictator that was there had been overthrown. The country was in a bit of disarray. There was very little public transport. Stuff wasn't happening. So I figured the best way to get around is to rent a car. I'd never driven on that side of the road and in <laughs> right. Africa as well. So I'm like, shit. <laughs> it, it takes some getting used to yeah, yeah. It takes some getting used to it. And it was just a dis- one disaster after another. Um, my friends, thankfully, helped me rent this car from I think it was like sunshine travel or something <laughs> you are talking about driving on the right side of the road the correct right <laughs> side yeah just so we're clear the correct <laughs> side of the road or yeah um so we rented this car it was a little Renault and um I just rented it and we parked in the center because we were going to drop stop off at a bakery or something a friend wanted to pick up some 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 bread or something in the center of Tunis got out of the car didn't realize we left it where we shouldn't have left it like on a red line or yellow line or whatever and we go into the bakery and come out and the first thing that happens we think it's like this car's being towed down the road and i was like what are we gonna do my friend was like chase that car down because we will never see that car again so i like <laughs> drop all my stuff and like, i put my bagpipes and kilt in hand like, <laughs> i didn't know why i didn't know i didn't drop my stuff i should have dropped my stuff but i was like running down the road and it was just the most ridiculous scene my friend was like i wish i'd captured this button <laughs> flailing behind you and i chase him down i'm like stop stop and eventually they stop i get my car back and i'm like okay thank goodness let's hope that's the only issue i have with my car Nope. Next day, I leave Brighton early and I head south um, to go to a town that was called Mahdia, I think. And in Tunisia, whenever you went through a town, there'd be like a police checkpoint on the, uh-huh. the going in and going out. I think it was because of issues with neighboring um, Libya and they were just trying to be vigilant with who was coming in and out of the country and going towards the capital. Sure. Anyway, so me being very friendly and I mean, I'm not, I'm not scared of police in the UK. I was giving them a wave and you're, you're pretty friendly, but obviously some parts of the world, you just don't do that. Right. And I'm leaving a little town, dusty town, and there's a police roadblock. I kind of wave to the police when I shouldn't have done because that draws attention to me. And they step into the road, beckon me to the side. And then I was like, I don't I really, I don't speak English, French or English, Arabic, French or Tunisian Arabic. So I'm like, okay, what do I do now? They come to the window saying all this stuff in Arabic and then obviously French too, because they assume I might speak French. No idea, apart from words like problem and passport. <laughs> so like I hand my passport out, they look through it and they get mad. They kind of talk to each other very quickly in Arabic or Tunisian, beckon to me to get out the car, snatch the car keys out of my hand. And then they start going through my car looking through all different things they get to the glove compartment see the car registration documents and they read through them all in arabic i have no idea what it's saying but they get to the date and the date that i I could see because it was written 2012 but i was there in 2014 so i was like is this car registration out of date i had no idea so at that point they start getting really mad screaming at me in arabic and if you've ever had anyone scream at you in tunisian arabic terrifying (laughs) (laughs) Terrifying. Uh, sudanese arabic i've had that happen there you go (gasps) So they go to my the back of the boot 
out of the car, the trunk of the car, make me take out all my bags. And I had to go through everything. And at this point, I'm thinking, should I have maybe slipped them a note? I've never bribed someone before. I don't want to. I don't know what that's going to lead to. Go through everything. They get to my bagpipe bag, though, and I open it up and their demeanor totally changes. They freeze and they're like, huh? Mezwid? Now, luckily, I had learned one or two words in Arabic, like shukran, thank you, yalla, let's go, and mezwid, which means bagpipes in Tunisian Arabic. So they point at my bagpipes and they go, mezwid. And I'm like, yes. And they go, yalla, meaning come on, let's go, let's hear it. So I'm like, what? On the side of the road? (laughs) They were like, frosty, no smiles, yalla. So I assemble my bagpipes and put them together. And honestly, as I start to play, they lose it. They're like, yalla, they like slap their legs. They're clapping around me going like, mashallah, alhamdulillah. Suddenly they're my best friend. They're like patting me on the back. And I'm about <laughs> to head off because um, uh, everything's all good. I'm like, they're like helping me pack my stuff up. No problems. And before I go, they're like, wait, photo, photo. And they capture this hilarious photo with me looking like so awkward between them. They've got these big guns and they send me on my way. And that's that evening when I found out that the national instrument of Tunisia is the bagpipes. Oh my gosh. I was so confused. I was like, what was the positive? Why was it so positive? And it's because Tunisian people love the bagpipes. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. So that was a long way. The bagpipes saved your ass. <laughs> they saved my ass. And it, and it carried on happening. Every time I had an issue with the police person, I'd be like, stop, go to the back, bring out the bagpipes. And they'd be like, whoa, please. Wow. Well, Russell, look, man, that that's that's it. That's the Voyagers podcast. I that was that was wonderful. Really, really appreciate you spending the time and, and uh, man, wish you all the best in your travels. And thank you so much for having me. I'm honestly very flattered, and um, I look forward to making it to to Hawaii one day to visit all of you. Oh my gosh! Thank you for wearing the, the Scottish football jersey too. Speak soon, okay? Yeah, Bye yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Right. Yeah. The Voyagers podcast is produced by Sugarside Productions in Kula on the island of Maui. It's hosted by me, David Glenn Taylor. We're excited to see where Ross goes next. You can follow his adventures on his YouTube page and Instagram as well as his website. He goes by the username The First Piper across those platforms. It's awesome stuff. You should really follow. The photos are beautiful. The music's just lovely. And Ross, we sincerely hope to see you in Maui someday soon. Thanks for being a positive light and sharing your gift with the rest of us. Speaking personally, it has inspired me to set some big goals and see where it can take me. Cheers and aloha, my friend. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. It's really appreciated. You can support the podcast through Patreon by going to VoyagersPodcast.com and clicking on the Patreon link. And if you'd like to sponsor, email us at David at VoyagersPodcast.com. Next week, at long last, we have one of the world's foremost experts in the fields of artificial, general, and superintelligence. His wife gave birth just a few weeks ago, and I was able to ask, among other questions, how does an expert on AI view the birth of a brand new human? His answers are surprising and enlightening, and I'm really excited to present my conversation with Dr. Ben Gertzel. That's next week on the Voyagers Podcast. Mahalo for listening, friends.